Welcome to Food and Loathing, the all-you-can-eat buffet of the Las Vegas podcasting world. I guess by that I mean our presentation isn't always pretty. We don't have white tablecloths, but we're delicious, and we highly encourage you to overindulge until you feel like you want to puke, as long as we don't have to clean it up. I'm your host, Al Mancini. Rich Johnson is our engineer, keeping this food train on the tracks. Hello, Rich. Hello, hello, hello. We are coming to you this entire episode from Artisanal Foods on Eastern Avenue. This place is a Las Vegas landmark among chefs and serious foodies, a longtime source of some of the finest ingredients available, changed ownership and changed locations recently, kind of in the middle of the pandemic, right? Um, so we've reported on that as well. We are joined for this episode by the new owners, or two of the new owners, Jonathan Batista and Jordan Dunwood. Chefs, how are you? Doing good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having us, man. Good. You know, I'm sort of in a time warp as to how long you've been here because I get a little um, discombobulated during this <laughs> pandemic. I've been a little lost. So how long have you been here? Um, so we bought over the place in May, but we had our grand opening in July. July okay. 1st was our grand yeah. opening. Yeah. Cool. Now, you guys are both um, Ghost Unit Kitchen. They yes. work together, and yes. you've done food trucks together, right? Yes, you sir. did the empanada truck and yes, some sir. other trucks. So you've been around Las Vegas for a long time, um, kind of always keeping it real keeping in the streets keeping it close to people um, as well as with the culinary community and when you came out here with artisanal i mean it was really interesting because of course i've known brett Odalenge, the previous mm -hmm. owner for a long time he always ran it much more as a chef's secret that you could go to if you were hip to it, right? right but right, it wasn't right. exactly, I mean, you know, they did a cafe there with John Church for a little while. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it has a long history, but it was always sort of a little foodie secret spot. Mm -hmm. This is a much more wide open space on Eastern Avenue. Um, kind of, I, I don't want to say it's in the UNLV neighborhood, but it's not too far from right, UNLV. Right, right. Eastern and Tropicana. Yes, sir. everybody exactly where it is. Right, an old Best Buy, right? right is that right, what it right. is? You can big, tell by the architecture. Can't miss yeah. it. Big Blue Tower. Can't, can't miss it. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's awesome. And when you took it over, though, you expanded it into much more of a retail establishment and much more of a place for the average home cook to go and get things. Um, and I love that, you know, it's also it's more than that. We're sitting here on a stage right now that you have set up, which is perfect for podcasting. And I love it. But you've got a pool table right over there. I don't know. I don't want anybody to kick my ass. <laughs> I have a table at home, but I'm not very good. Um, and you even have a ball crawl set up like a caviar tin. And I got to say, I'm one of these people that generally I like the idea of a ball crawl, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of afraid of them the way that a lot of people are afraid of hotel pools, right? <laughs> yep, yep. You know, people are like, I'm not going in there because I know what goes on in there. That's how I feel like when I see a lot of ball crawls. Yours looks very pristine and nice and it looks like you keep it clean. And Absolutely. I think I'm more afraid of children, I'll be honest, than anything else. Um, so what was your concept for expanding, making it bigger and bringing it to this neighborhood? You know, when we first uh, took over from, you know, the, the purchase from Brett, um, I really looked into the word artisanal. What does that word mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean high-end products. It doesn't necessarily mean one thing or another. It's grandma's recipes, handmade things. It's, you know, and, and that's tied into, you know, what we do as chefs on a plate 
is exactly what these manufacturers and these small businesses are doing with their products. You know, what, what a painter does with a canvas. It's the same um, work. It's the same vision. It's the same process. It's, you know, how do we create a, an environment that people can come and have fun with food? Yes, you have Italy on the Strip and you have other locations like that, like Area 15. Shout out to them. They're doing amazing jobs. Um, but sometimes people just want to, you know, come off the Strip and really see something new. And I really want to incorporate all that, you know, local vendors is not mm -hmm. a place for them to have something on the shelves and we're making a strong focus of having local vendors that may not have a home but they're selling at farmers markets and things like that we're having an opportunity for them to come in the store and yeah we, we profit share and everybody's happy but at the end of the day they have a home and that, that creating a home for uh, these culinarians is very important to us yeah, it feels, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but um, almost more of a, a food co-op kind of like, you know, Pacific right. Northwest hippie vibe, mm -hmm. right, than, um, than a snooty, you know, top chef masters kind of deal, right? And <laughs> But yet, when I look at the products that are in here, you know, this is still where I would come if I want to get caviar. Right. Uh, well, Nina's on my side of town, so I'll go <laughs> there sometimes as well. But, Cheating on me. you know, you have some great, you know, you have some super high-end products. Mm -hmm. So how has the community responded? And, you know, are you able to really walk people through teaching them how to use Use these products so it's a great thing this location offers uh, a lot of different demographics so we get a lot of different people coming in and uh, they have different questions and uh, it gives us the opportunity to talk to them walk them down the aisles sometimes they don't even know what product is and we have the time to sit there talk to them about them how to cook it how to use it and it kind of gets people more more well-rounded and, and they feel better when they go into more high-end stores they'll know exactly what they're looking for they know what the product name is they won't feel kind of kind of antsy to really not know what to say or want to go in there they come into the store it's kind of a, a nice uh opening to this kind of world to you and we keep it to where you do I definitely have high-end stuff on the shelf but at the same time you can come in and get your breads come in and get your bag of chips come in and get your candies we want to keep it well-rounded you can get everything you need but if you're feeling fancy that day come come talk to us we can help you out make foie gras cook your wagyu cook your caviar make your caviar however you want to do it and just it's just real cool man you can get people coming in all the time different questions seeing different product and just get to pick their brain while they pick your brain so you it's get nice man people coming in who see food and just uh, oh grocery store and then they go whoa what I have i gotten into right, right. but you're there to help them 100 percent yes. wow. kind of yes. to piggyback on that a lot they're not coming in here to do their main grocery shopping they're yeah. coming in here for that specialty dinner and things like that and then when they get exposed to these products a lot of them their labels aren't even in english so where does this come from all well, this is from france this is from italy this is from these different countries um and they get scared you know their, their first reactions mm -hmm. i don't know what it is just leave it alone i got scared you know <laughs> and, and <laughs> the cool thing about this is we're trying to create um an environment that the customer can come in and say hey i have no clue what i'm doing can somebody help me and not only does our sales staff have a great understanding of what we have on the shelves but we have actual chefs chef jordan is a chef on the on the strip i've been a chef for many years we have uh two other chefs that are working here my sous chef um juan um, we're, we're always walking the floor so if anybody has any questions um, we can actually tell you how we've done it in the past and how different ways of preparing foods and things mm -hmm. like that. And then they get, you know, less intimidated and they're more willing to say, you know what, I'm always going to come in here for this item. And of course, if I want my high end items, I can also know this is a home for that as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think that's the future when it comes to high end food. And I mean, you know, the food network changed everything, but then the internet changed it even mm -hmm. more, right? So there are not, they're no longer just the 5% of the world that knows what foie gras is mm -hmm. or what caviar right. is. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have a multicultural um, experience just from what we watch on television. Mm -hmm. We all have a multi-price range knowledge because of what we what we see on TV right. or what we could just Google, right? right? And suddenly you know. But unfortunately, what you find when you Google 
ain't always right. right so it's exactly. nice to be able to come in and talk to some chefs <laughs> right. who can teach you about that. Well, gentlemen, thanks for having. I love the space, and I hope we'll be able to do maybe some more podcasts in the future. I would, I would hope that this could be you know one of your second homes uh, for the podcast because I think it fits perfectly in exactly what we're doing. You're you're creating an art right here. You're you're putting a lot of uh, key information out into the public, and we appreciate that so mm-hmm. much. So to be a part of it, we we're so stoked about that. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is usually the top of the show. We start with what we've done this week, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to start with you guys before I get into where I've eaten. Have you been out to eat any place? Been any place fun this week? I've been working so much this week. <laughs> yeah. I been working even, a lot. I haven't eaten. Yeah, yeah. This weekend, I'm, I'm gonna try out uh, SDK Steakhouse. I haven't had it before. Okay. So we're gonna go see what they're talking about. I yeah. like SDK a yeah. lot. I like Chef Stephen Hopcraft. It's there we go. Kind of nightclubby vibe. Right. Over right. There, exactly. Right? So, so you know, you get to see the hotties on their way in right. the marquee <laughs> club before or after whatever. So that's always cool. I definitely but, think your app is is key to that because like when people ask you, hey. Um, you know, what, where, where do we go eat? I'm like, hold on, let me get my app out. Well, yeah. thanks. And, yeah, and you were at my app release party. Uh, I think you know? it was we're amazing. Talk a bit about that later yeah, in the you're show. You're doing an amazing job. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, speaking of steakhouses, I went to Carver Steak. I know Rich and I did a podcast from Carver Steak with um, Chef Daniel and Chef Nicole Brisson uh-huh. from next door. Uh, but I finally got in to eat, and wow, I've got to say, first of all, what a meal it was. Um, this was up. And, you know, this is one of those parts. You guys know what this is like. Nobody ever feels sorry for me, and I don't expect people to. <laughs> life is great to be me. I'm not pretending it ain't. But, um, you know, you go in, right? So I walk in, and I'm like, and I know about 100 people that work there. But, of course, my waiter is not somebody I know, right? So yeah. then I got to come off like an asshole because I ask the usual question. The question is, he's like, what would you like? And we're there for my wife's birthday. She always wants to go out to a steakhouse for right. her birthday. But it's still work. You know, I've right. got to decide whether Carver ends up on my app. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're Doing that right. kind of stuff, so um, he he says, "Okay, what would you like to order?" And I'm like, "Well, could you check and see if Chef Daniel has something planned for us?" Because what always happens is we always order something, and then we get 25 other dishes, yeah. right? right? So no, 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 no. He may send out a dish, but okay. So you know, we ordered what we wanted, and then he sent out like 15 dishes oh, anyway, <laughs> right? And you know, we had the small seafood plateau, but you know, he decided to make it the large one. And right. uh, so, so we had a lot of food. I'm hate just when that it. happens. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of wasted food. At the end of the day, There's you can only that. eat so yeah. much. Right. Um, so we had the caviar poppers, which were really interesting, like little almost cream puffs, mm-hmm. like little pastries, um, stuffed with kind of a creme fraiche with little caviar on top. Okay. I thought that was a really fun dish. Maybe not the tastiest dish mm-hmm. that I had all night, but mm-hmm. it was the most fun, you know, really okay. cool way. I love that people are getting creative with caviar mm-hmm. these right. days. So um, between that and like the um, the macarons that Gina's doing over at Harlow with mm-hmm. the caviar, mm-hmm. you know, so that was fun. We did um, we did the big seafood from the raw bar. We did tuna tartare on some puff crackers. Um, that was fantastic. A lot of Asian you know spices on that. Um, yellowtail sashimi with serranos and some citrus slices. I did the wagyu cheesesteak bites, nice. which were almost done on like a lobster roll kind of bun. Yeah. So okay. the bread was you know a little toasty. That was right? yeah. I mean that was that was huge. Um, course i took two bites because i knew more things were coming <laughs> um then we went into our mains and my wife did the strip loin which was actually an f1 australian okay. cut of wagyu there so you know it wasn't she doesn't usually like wagyu and this was of course kind of crossbred so it wasn't right. just that pure fat mm-hmm. milk in your mouth, right, right, right. right? Uh, she enjoyed it for That's somebody good. who doesn't like wagyu she liked it a lot we did that with some spinach some mac and cheese which had more um freaking truffles on them than mac and cheese <laughs> i feel like because they didn't they spared no expense for us um then one one dish that I ordered 
because I knew they would probably send it out anyway. I figured I mm-hmm. might as well. It's sort of a signature dish there. It's a two-pound lobster and croute. It's done, you know, they, they take the lobster, they cook it up in a kind of a cognac cream sauce. Nice. They stuff it back in its own shell, put the pastry shell over top of it and cook it that I, I way, that. right? I, I and um, for that. Yeah. that was a lot of fun. And, you know, people always say how much, how pricey was this mm-hmm. restaurant. I didn't, I was very fortunate. I didn't get a bill. I never want to lie about that mm-hmm. fact. But, you know, I take notes. So that lobster was $90, mm-hmm. right? Now, some people are going to say, holy shit, you know, a $90 entree. But right. for me, for a place that is the hot new place on the Strip in Resorts World, a two-pound lobster with a serious preparation done to mm-hmm. it, not just, bro- you know, brought to you. I mean, it, it could have been a meal. You really wouldn't have had to, with all that, that the bread and everything. It's you decadent. really didn't need a lot mm-hmm. of other dishes to go with it. $90 didn't seem that bad to me. I mean, it seemed like a pretty fair price range. It did not seem like through the roof. I think you could probably get out of this restaurant you know, in in my app, we, we I break the you know dollar signs down, right, right. right? So for me, it's like zero to 25, 25 to 75, 75 to 150, and then 150 or over per person, right? Mm-hmm. For, to have a meal, mm-hmm. maybe with one drink, if mm-hmm. you want. I think you could get out of here for 150 a person. I think you could sit in that, you know, that pricey weird, but not obscenely mm-hmm. pricey right. Robichon level, right? So um, I thought it was solid, man. And, you know, the people always ask, does Las Vegas need another steakhouse? Mm-hmm. And if they're going to do new creative shit, yeah. I'm open to it, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know what you guys think about steakhouses in Las Vegas. I got, a, I got a sneak peek at some of the prices for the new um, uh, Salt Bay restaurant. Uh, Nasiru, uh, Dusra, uh, I can't remember. Uh, can't yeah, Nasiru, Nasiru yeah. yes. Those prices are ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, you're paying for the Instagram startup, yeah, right, yeah, man? Yeah, Everything it's... dipped in gold. I saw yeah. pictures of it. I yeah. thought, no, I don't want to eat gold. Yeah, that's it. yeah. They got a grand opening tomorrow, so that should be good. Yeah, There's some. Um, yeah. Who's who's the guy that does most expensivest? The right? uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think at the end of one season, he was all like, "I ate a lot of gold this season." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny that that's the argument that my wife and I have. We don't fight about infidelity, money. <laughs> what do we fight about? Food. And, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's almost ironic. Um, but she says all the time, you know, when we go out to eat, is that really worth that that price? You know, yeah. because it's not innovative. It's not it's, it's lacking in salt. But if you're doing something different, does Vegas need another steakhouse <laughs> in that aspect? Yes, because we're always willing that that's the cool thing, you know, coming from the East Coast to the West Coast. I'm noticing that Vegas loves and it embraces new. And mm-hmm. when you put love yeah. into something, people really do embrace it. So if they're, you know, going through the process and you really like you, you looked at the dish and you say, OK, I broke it down. And there's five or six pro- the steps in yeah. here that they did. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm no gastro gastroenterologist, but <laughs> I don't believe gold is digestible. Mm. Therefore, if you were to save, well, you pan your poop. Yeah, <laughs> you can is probably we're make going back half one, the <laughs> price of the uh, the entree. Oh, there you go. I, mean, I don't think gold leaf is really that expensive. But it's, but I don't know. It, it's not um, expensive, but is it digestible? Is yeah. it, it's not. They highly. make it. They make it edible, but it's yeah. not. It's not existent. It's I'm not. Just it's, saying it's not down. worth panning through my poop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Out on the back yeah. end. <laughs> the, the literal back end. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man! Like when the dog eats the pantyhose. There They're go. coming out intact pantyhose. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> There's no breakdown going on. And and I'll say this about um about Salt Bay coming to Vegas. Does Las Vegas need Salt Bay? Fuck yeah, if the tourists like it, yep. right? Like, yep. that's the yeah. deal. Like, yep. if he is, that yep. to me is like booking Katy Perry into Resorts World or right. something, right? right. Like, yep. he's a celebrity, bring him in. Now, am I going to pay those prices to eat there when there are other 
places that I might get more bang for my buck? Mm-hmm. No. But you know what? I don't come to Vegas to right. point at so stars. You want that experience. You know? right. Yeah, they definitely yeah. going to try to so, do that for sure. Yeah. I, I encourage him. I'm, I'm excited about him coming as well. Yeah. Um, other places I went, uh, I celebrated my wife's birthday with visits to Silver Stamp, which talk about a uh, kind of... It's like being in somebody's basement from the 1970s <laughs> silver stamp over in the Arts District. Um, great beer bar, so we enjoyed that, and also good pie. That was great. And um, finally, my friend Bernard, who works over at Olives, he took me to Burgundy Cafe and Bakery. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's um, I've heard of them. I haven't been there. Yeah, I've heard of them. Florent Chavot, um, which I'm going to mangle. My French is always shitty. <laughs> uh, but he's a native of France who moved to Las Vegas to perfect his pastry chef chops under Jean-Philippe Hello. and Aria. Um, he later returned to Paris to claim a World Chocolate Championship of on behalf of the U.S. Uh, I'm just going to play a bit of my conversation on that before sharing my thoughts. What made you decide to leave the Strip and do something out in the Burbs? I mean, it was a long-time dream, you know. It, I mean, that was the reason I came to U.S., you know. So that was the normal prolongation of, the, you know, of my, my path, you know. Yeah. So before I order, what are the specialties there? Oh, we do a lot of things. I mean... It, I mean, um, I would not say we have one specialty, you know, but we have many different, I would say, items in different areas. We do, we do small little things like macaroon, but everything is made in-house. Uh, we have some very good uh, range of sandwiches that are made with the croissant. We make the croissant in-house, the dough in-house. I will show you the process. Uh, so everything is pretty good. There is not one item. I mean, there is a few things that I really like, you know, but mm-hmm. like as a savory or pastry, but it's in each category, you know. Las Vegas seems to have, I, I wouldn't say an explosion, but a little bit of a bump in good French bakeries going off the strip. You're certainly not the only person to yeah. do that. Um, and it seems to be a bit more receptive. Do you, know, do you feel that people out in the burbs are more receptive to kind of doing high-end breakfasts and pastries and bakeries than maybe they would be to a, a higher-end restaurant out in the suburbs, you know, for, for dinner, right? Are they yeah. more receptive to a, a more casual kind of place? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's more affordable for many people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a definitely, uh, it's not the same budget. The quality and the product are, uh, I mean, are as good. Yeah. I mean, there is less frou-frou. <laughs> there is yeah. less, uh, there is less uh, uh, details, but we go straight to the point. So I think for the people that really like real food, you know, and good food, I mean, it's uh, it's a better, uh, I mean, it's a cheaper option and better option, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, um, in some people's mind, does French food does it get unfairly kind of stereotyped in, lumped in as always being? Pretentious, fine dining, hot cuisine, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you think people need to, you know, are, are, are people finally realizing that there is good, casual, approachable, affordable French food out there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that was built for a reason. I think that, that made sense because what, what was French food at the beginning, like if you go back hundreds of years ago, uh, it was just the it was just the, the the expectation of the kings and things like that, and it was in a location in Europe where it was very uh, prized with the perfume, the mode, everything. So the food was a way of showing off for rich people, and it built it built a, a legacy and people with times. So at some point it was just to feed people, but it became so extravagant and so elaborated that at some point, you know, you go, I mean, you become, 
I mean, you become maybe uh, too proud of it. And then after, I mean, now he's going backward. And, and then he also the food and the quality of the chef move worldwide. And now some of the best chefs are, are in Spain, America, all over the place. So I think French had this time and we still have a great time, you know, but like it's, it's the world is different. So I think he, he, he made sense at some point, but now, I mean, the world is a little bit different. So French cuisine is French cuisine and you can find high, high hand in any, any culture, you know, yeah, right. high hand food, you know. I want to talk about one item in particular because I have noticed macrons. And am I pronouncing that right, first of all, macrons? Macron, yeah. yeah. Macron. Okay. I have found that macrons have become almost exploded in popularity in the yeah. past five years, yeah. at least here in Las Vegas. There was a time when if you saw them in a restaurant, it was only at the very highest end restaurant, the highest end pastry shop, and you were like, ooh, look at this fancy weird thing. But now they seem to have gone mainstream, right? Ah, macaron. You're talking about the macaron, like the macaron, yeah. right? Yes. The, the French macaron, the yes. small... Right. Yeah. So macaron... Um, so it was one of the favorite desserts of uh, one of French uh, French uh, hierarchy, one of the queen uh, that was uh, very popular in the 70s, 1700. And it was all over the place in Paris. Macaroon were like the thing, you know, it was very elegant, very delicate. Uh, it, it was a small bite, very fancy for a tea party or whatever. And then he died. And in the 1980s, uh, 1990s, uh, Pierre Hermé, which is one of the symbols of the pastry in France, uh, one of the greatest chefs, I would say, at, at some point, uh, brought it back with a new twist. And then it becomes crazy for like like 10, 15 years in France. And now it came back and it's, it's there, you know. And then I think the time that it went from France or Europe to the rest of the world, it took some time. But now people know about it. And they understand the, the value of it and they understand the pleasure you can get out of it. So, yeah, it's very popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I've seen them um, infused with cannabis in yeah. cannabis yeah, stores. Yeah. I've seen them with caviar on them over at Harlow. And uh, then I come into places like this and there's just so many varieties, so many flavors. Yeah. What's the best way? If, you, if you're not yet hip to them, what flavor should somebody order? Or should you just get a variety pack? <laughs> yeah, variety, you know, like it's a variety of uh, item, you know, and it's like a chocolate box. <laughs> you know, that you don't know which one you're going to like until you hit the box, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the same thing with the macaroon, you know, like uh, us, we do all the macaroon in-house. And the one personally I will die for is the dark chocolate because I put some 100% uh, cocoa inside the shell. And then after, but the ganache is a uh, 64%. 64% but uh, the balance is uh, with the uh, sugar inside the egg white is i mean i love it i just love it and what are your hours here we do 8 a.m from uh, 5 p.m yeah we're closed on wednesdays and uh, on sunday we close at 3 p.m so you do mostly a breakfast and lunch kind of crowd exactly yeah any catering we do catering yeah we do catering uh and we are evolving with the savory side we're developing more and more and more of the savory side based on request and, and what we feel like it, you know. So I'll tell you, um, it's a tiny little place. It's over in the Village Square over there um, on the kind of southwest, yeah, south, no, where am I? West Sahara, West Sahara. Okay. 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 Right. Um, and it was, it's a great little shop. The sandwiches are fantastic. His croissants, and I'm not usually a croissant guy. His croissants are amazing. I mean, 
Um, everything in there just has this this French attention to detail, but you're just going in for a quiche or a breakfast croissant or something like that, so it's not pricey. And uh, you know, I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. And it was also interesting to hear his background on um, macarons. There you go. <laughs> oh, uh, I got to get my wife over there. <laughs> Former pastry chef. Yes. Rich, you went out. I week. actually went out twice this week, which is something I never do. Usually I'm talking about stuff we made at home or or uh, the latest KFC venture, which uh, discussed Al to no end. Mm -mm. But uh, I did a little Asian lunch for uh, the first time. And in my fast food, junk food sort of milieu, I'm usually a sucker for the little family hole-in-the-wall strip mall joints or the big gloppy hunks of dough known as orange chicken. There you go. And I got a little surprised, though, when I went to the strip mall near my house uh, at uh, – it's at Cheyenne and Rampart, or where Rampart becomes Durango one, mm -hmm. once again. Called. I don't know. You're just up in golf country. That's yeah, like, that's true. I, don't I live know. He lives in like God's just, waiting he lives room on like Sun the City. 14th tee or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Buddy's Kitchen. It's sort of Thai, sort of Asian. It's okay. in there next to a video poker bar. And uh, instead of the usual lumps of deep-fried dough that may or may not contain some chicken... <laughs> They had a nice deconstructed orange chicken. It was strips of very lightly battered fried chicken breast, and the sauce was on the side, so you could go as little as or as big. Of course, I you know, mm -hmm. dumped it all on there. A little pricey for lunch uh, with, with that and uh, a Diet Coke coming in at about 20 bucks uh, tw <laughs> and 25 when I put on a tip and all that. But it was a nice uh, change in orange chicken, very light, and I can control the sauce. And in a very rare move, Joanna and I went out to uh, with another couple. To, uh, 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 you have friends. Somehow, <laughs> she has friends. You can tell me how you make friends. I don't have no, any. Yeah. She has. I want to be like you when I grow up. Right. She's a friend magnet, and I just am allowed to. Come along. <laughs> uh, a Romy over there at Rampart and Lake okay. Mead, also in uh, the you know golf heaven waiting room, uh, the space. <laughs> That was previously occupied by Natalia's Secret Kitchen, mm -hmm. which moved about a block to the uh, west in the same uh, strip mall complex. Also, this... used to prior to that was a place called Six Tables, I believe, that I was escorted out of because the Whoa. guy didn't like the way I looked. <laughs> oh. I was in there to write an article about the fucker, too. But I'm sorry, back to yeah. the good place. Aromi is the uh, collaboration of veteran chefs Alessandro Stopa and Hermine Castillos. Did I get those right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Aromi, you know, they didn't change the decor much from Natalia's, but it works better. The deep, dark woods uh, look uh, better as an Italian place than they did as a Thai place. A uh, couple of apps I had for dinner. I had the meatballs and a frisee burrata beet salad. Both were just super tasty. Joanna had the bronzino, which she said, and she's a bronzino expert. Being Polish, European, she loves having a bone-in fish mm -hmm. on the table and picking through that. Everybody says, oh, we'll take the bones. He said, no, don't touch those bones. <laughs> I want those bones. And she said it was one of the best bronzinos she has had in the valley. Wow. Really? Nice little Five super prints. Tuscan went well, and we shared the molten chocolate cake. It was a perfect ending. Loved it all at Aromi. I have not been to a Romy. Have you guys been no, to I'm not. I haven't, but I'm no, going to go now. We're going to go now. Right. Exactly. This nice, basic, you know, red sauce, classic kind of joint. Mm -hmm. yeah. Done by yeah, a couple we, of vets. We had our seasonal supply catch with their Bronzino, so ah. um, I'm interested to see the difference because I had it at catch, so I'm interested to, to see the flavor difference. Probably one fewer zero on the bill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me, um, so let me ask you guys. Bronzino, Ludemer, and... Um, Shit, what's the other country that does it? There are three countries that have Mediterranean sea bass. They all call it something different. Are they all the same fish? The French call it Ludemer. Italians call it Bronzino. What is the other country I'm thinking you of? You talking about sea bass? Lavraki. Oh, Greeks okay. call it Lavraki. Mm -hmm. Are they all exactly the same fish? You, you're my experts, gentlemen. 
it's hard. It's yeah. it's the same fish, but they're 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 in different parts of the country. So right. you have different flavor profiles. Some of the flesh might be a little different on the fish, but it's if it's sea bass, it's sea bass. But you right, have yeah. black striped bass, you have Chilean sea bass, you have different grades of it. So mm-hmm. depending on where you're getting it from, the flavor might be a little sweeter. It might be a little saltier. It might be a little flakier. Mm-hmm. So depending on what region you're getting it from, and uh, but typically the same thing. You, white fish, white fish. You know, meteor fish gonna be a meteor fish. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you can you can uh, pick and choose what what you want by different regions for sure. Kind of like with wine, you know, when the grapes are in higher elevation, they're you know they, they taste a little bit different, so it's kind of the same concept. Like yeah, Ar- you got Argentinian red shrimp, and you got Mexican red shrimp. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're do, same, do same Mediterranean sea bass swim from one country to the other? Show us your passport. They all kind of hang out in their own, or they I mean, you know? <laughs> I'm sure it happens. You know? <laughs> okay, but. Okay, well, gentlemen, thank you. Coming up, we're going to flip the script and let Rich interview me as we talk about Neon Feast, finally, kind of in a little detail. And in the news, I spoke to Todd English at the grand opening of the English Hotel. This is Food and Loathing. I'm so excited for Neon Feast. It's really the answer to what we've been looking for in terms of the ultimate guidebook to Las Vegas. I like the fact that you're not paying to be on the app. It's actually experts and people that actually know about food that are recommending. I'm really grateful to have a curated app that, you know, doesn't appeal to the folks who just look on Yelp and see the random riffraff. I can't believe how much time it's going to save me when people call me and ask me where to go eat. So I'm excited from both a community awareness and the fact that it's going to help send people to the right types of business. I just think it's a great place to find things on and off the strip that, you know, fit whatever you're in the mood for eating. I'm a huge fan of uh, the app so far. Um, I love the different lists. I love the map curation. We are so thankful to Al Mancini for bringing this app to life and can't wait to see it flourish in the months and years ahead. So that's a sample of the fun we had this past Monday as the official debut party of the Neon Feast. Uh, The promised script flipping is here. (laughs) As I, your obedient and semi-humble producer and engineer, play Mike Wallace to Al's Leonard Thurm. Extra credit if you get that early 80s Saturday Night Live reference. I don't even think I got that. It's a Martin so. Short character. Okay. He was oh, yeah, I never liked Martin Short. No. Okay, okay. So, okay. well, the um, Neon Beast app is up. It is running. It is a massive improvement on the Yelp concept of crowdsourcing restaurant information. Instead of a bunch of disgruntled retirees complaining about no free bread or 20-ish <laughs> influencers demanding free meals for not flaming a place on social media, Al has a... Uh, made a new crowd. It is people who actually know something about the food, restaurants, alcohol, and hospitality businesses. So was it indeed the idiots who wield too much power that inspired Neon Feast? I mean, well, look, a lot of idiots wield a lot of power in a lot of different formats, right? So (laughs) let's be honest there. And crowdsourcing was a brilliant concept in that, you know, in the old days when only a few people controlled a few few media channels that was a problem and and the the one food critic in every town got way too important right and i'll be the first to say that that was bullshit right and so so yelp was a great idea it was a great theory it it, it sounded like a good idea right that we would crowdsource everybody uh the problem that i found and, and by the way we're not looking to replace yelp we're not looking to challenge yelp we're looking to offer an alternative to yelp with neon feast what i have come to the conclusion of is that there is just not one good place to get 
quality recommendations that are manageable on the internet. There's a lot of information out there. I think the biggest problem that we face in the modern age is too much information and not being able to sort through it. We don't have the yeah. time to find what we think we're going to enjoy. So you have some great Yelpers who are buried amongst a load of garbage. And how do you find them unless you know to follow them? So my idea of Neon Feast was, okay, we need to go back to to something manageable. So I, I love technology. I love that, that Yelp allows you, know, you to pull up everything at the drop of a hat that you can hold it in the palm of your hands. You can see it on your phone. But once you have that accessibility, how can you get some recommendations you trust, right? Um, so when this idea came up, you know, somebody brought me the idea of maybe doing a directory, a food directory, yeah. and it was going to be this great technological innovation that once you saw a restaurant, the restaurant could could activate buttons where you could push it to make a reservation, you could push it to ask a question, you could push it to um, to order takeout, you could push it to call an Uber to get there. And they had, a, they. this is a friend, David Liebner, who we all know in this town, and he had talked to my friend Eric Gladstone about this, and Eric brought this idea to me, and I said, yeah, that's really cool, but it's not an Al Mancini project. Al Mancini does not want to run a Yellow Pages and then just sell the connections to other people, yeah. right? That it would be every restaurant in America, or every restaurant in Las Vegas. So I bounced this around for a really, really long time because I loved the technology. But I said, how are we going to make it so that it would be useful to people? How many recommendations do we want? What kind of recommendations? And all of this brought me to the conclusion that what makes Las Vegas great is community. We have a great group of people who love to share their thoughts. And in the culinary community specifically, I stayed here after thinking I was only going to come to Vegas for a few years. I stayed here because there's so many great chefs in this town and I love hanging out with them. There's so many great food journalists and bloggers and Yelpers, to be honest, and Instagrammers, people that I love sitting around having long culinary conversations with. What if I could let other people in on those conversations? Yeah. The people who know what the hell they're talking about. And as you've said many times, and many of the chefs we've had on this show have said many times, while it may not be unique, it is rare that a market this size and a food community this size has an actual community and everybody is not at each other's throats all the time on social media or wherever. Right. Although I understand I've gotten some trolls already for this product, so that's, that makes me feel <laughs> successful. I'm very happy about that. But no, we are. We're, we're people that love to recommend great places to eat. And, you know, for years I would go to back of the house brawls or you go to Sand Dollar Lounge late at night when everybody's getting off work on the strip. Or, or I go to media dinners and sit around with the Melinda Shekels of the world and, you know, the, yeah. the other, you know, um, Mike Davis from Fox 5. You come to these media yes, dinners. You know who yes. these people are. And all we do is talk about food. Now, are our opinions better than other people's? I don't know, but they're more informed because we spend a lot more time in restaurants. That's what we do. That's what we do. So I'm not saying that these... So, so basically what I did was I sent out a survey to about 75 people. I got it back from about 40 plus because it was <laughs> a long survey. I yeah. mean, there was 100 categories. And all I asked these people, and this was during COVID, by the way. I would have loved to have been doing a lot more of this with a pen and a pad yeah. over whiskey. But um, we were in the middle of COVID. So I sent out the survey. 
And I had a hundred categories. Some of them were just a neighborhood, Rhodes Ranch area, um, Water Street. You know, tell me, where would you send a friend or a family member if they tell you they're going to be in that neighborhood? Where would you send a friend or a family member if they say, where can I get Greek food? Because in my job, that's my favorite part of my job. When my brother calls me from San Francisco and says, my boss is coming to Las Vegas, where should I go? Or a producer calls me from the cooking channel and says, we're doing a show on Vegas, where should we go? And the first thing I do is always call my other friends and ask them to help, right? So that's what I did to populate this app. I found people that I trust and I sent them this massive survey. I got it back and then I went through it and it wasn't a basic vote, like everybody's vote counted the same. It's not a democracy. If, if Colin Fukunaga, who founded Fuku Burger, is the only guy that recommends a good burger place, like Barcode yeah. Burger, he may have been one of only two people, I think, maybe three, but you know what? The people that recommended Barcode Burger were people that really, really know burgers. A lot of people recommended Burger Bar. They're both on this list. They're both on my best burgers list, right? Um, yeah. It is a subjective list, and people, like like a food reviewer or a movie reviewer, even if you don't always agree with them, after a while you get to feel their body of work, and therefore you know where you might place in in their opinion yeah and at least half of our listings tell you they name some of the people and we have about 420 restaurants on there right now we're gonna move it up to about 500 within the next week or two um and about half of them will tell you yeah. melinda shekels loves this place right yeah, yeah. or um anthony curtis the publisher of las vegas advisor says this is a great gaming bar for good food well if anthony curtis doesn't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. where to eat while playing video poker ain't nobody knows that so if anthony says that you know you can believe them so we put names behind these recommendations we're not saying our friends are smarter than your friends we're saying that i'm a journalist i've got a hell of a rolodex full of food experts and this is for those who may think it's snotty or snobby or whatever that i'm not asking that i don't think everybody's opinion counts the same this is what every food writer does in their life like when, when you're producing a food tv show you call the experts in yeah. the town and you say who should i go to in your town when you are writing a magazine about food you call the experts so all i'm doing is what i did at the rj when i put these lists together let me wrap this up with this idea unlike a newspaper article unlike a magazine article those things when you're done you're done. You had to talk so much over the last couple of weeks during a soft opening about it. it's not done yet and not done yet. And I think at the party the other day, you had a little epiphany about that. Well, yeah, what I realized is it's never going to be done and it never yeah. should be done. And at the end of the day, I ate at Carver Steak the other night. You know, everybody asked me, why isn't Carver Steak on your list of steakhouses? Well, it's too new. I haven't I hadn't gotten in there yet. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of people make something about the fact that, you know, we do charge restaurants to activate premium features, but you are not charged to be on this list, right? And yeah. as a matter of fact, I wanna make this very clear. We have a business model that will be very successful if less than half of the restaurants pay for the premium features. We'll be very successful if 25% of them pay for premium features. And I am thrilled with the ability to let those other 75 or 60% or whatever ride the coattails because this is about building community, right? And it's not riding coattails. It's just yeah. we're recommending it. They don't have value in a, if, if you don't find value in a reservation service, then why should you pay me? Yeah. And I don't want you to. I still want to send places there. So this is always going to be happening. So when a new restaurant opens and they come to me and they say, Al, can we get on and we'll activate the premium features? I'm like, no, no, no. 
let me get in, eat there. Let 10 of my friends who I trust get in and eat there. And then maybe we'll think about adding you. Now, I think Carver will eventually be added, but I got to see what the other people in this town think about it before I add it, you yeah. know? And I'll just say that as uh, someone who's watched you do this and agonize over this over the last six months and finally see the product, the first thing I did was I used it. <laughs> a place to go. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to another place later this week because I found something obscure that I didn't think anybody in Vegas has. The Chicago Italian beef sandwich that I fed yep. you at my house, but I found a place yep. on... The Neon Feast that offers an Italian beef. Well, that's what I love about this list is you can really you can dive deep down rabbit holes, and you may start like looking up a restaurant that you already know about, and it you know you you look up Esther's Kitchen and you hear about Esther's Kitchen, but then it tells you what list it's on, where it's recommended. Yeah. It's also it's on our arts district list. It's on our Italian off strip list. You may choose to push one of those buttons and see what other arts district restaurants are on there. Then when you get buried deep in um, our barbecue in Soul Belly Barbecue because you've gone there, you see that that's also on our celebrity chef list. And you see, well, what other celebrity chef restaurants were recommended? And we have lists, most of which have no more than 10 or 12, that range from craft beer places we recommend to dive, well, we don't have dive bars up yet, sorry, but to gaming bars with great food that we recommend to places to go on a date when you want to get lucky that we recommend, you know? I <laughs> yeah. mean, we are all about whatever the occasion, whatever the neighborhood. If you're in Rhodes Ranch and you want to know eight great restaurants that are close to you in Rhodes Ranch, you push one button for our Rhodes Ranch list and you can find it. <laughs> or if you're driving through a neighborhood you don't know, you push a button that says find nearby and a map comes up with little neon feast logos Boom. for the closest restaurants to you. So you can use this five or six different ways you could dive deep you can hear from a lot of different people there is very limited public interaction because to be honest i don't trust people that they're not either being paid by a competitor to say something bad or be paying by their own paid by their own boss to say something good people i surveyed are people that i trust but you can upload photos if people get our premium features you, you can take a picture of your food i know you guys love to do that and if the restaurant likes it they will add it to their their gallery al mancini thanks for being a guest on the al mancini podcast thanks <laughs> thanks for um putting me on the spot i appreciate it right? a long-awaited boutique hotel opening the state of affairs in post-mask Vegas and the mother of all industry food shows. Emphasis on the plural. The news is next on Food and Loathing. And it is time for the news. I know I teased the English Hotel, but I did want to mention um, just in the James Beard Award oh, yeah. semifinalists were just announced either late yesterday. Well, whatever. We're recording this. So it doesn't matter that much. But for um, Best Chef Southwest, three locals mentioned. Um, so I want to send a huge shout out and a lot of love to Gina Marinelli, yeah. who's a semifinalist. Um, of course, she has two restaurants here in Las Vegas. She has La Strega and she has Harlow, which we, we speak about them all the time. I don't mm -hmm. have to tell you much more about right. it. We love them. We love mm -hmm. Gina. Uh, also, Jamie Tran, another good friend of this show um, from the Black Sheep. So she's on the short list. And then a chef that I will apologize first for mangling his name and secondly say, I did not know this chef, so now I have to eat there this week. Um, it's Hangrui Jin, and I know I'm mangling that. My apologies. From Big Dan's Shanksy Taste. Do you guys know that restaurant? I've never or that heard chef? of it. Never wow. heard of it. 
Okay, Joe. Where is it? We it's, got it's people in the the peanut gallery that know it, but <laughs> nobody does. So okay, we're all gonna have to go out and we'll have to talk about Let's it on together. a future episode. 100%. Um, I'm not gonna get too deep because I think maybe we could do a full show on this, and I'd love to have the Beard Award nominees. But I noticed that those three names that I just read, no straight white men on that list, <laughs> and that's certainly something the Beard people are very interested in diversity these days. Uh-huh. We're are. still relevant. We're still relevant. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, look, I got no problem. I got no, no problem, problem with shining a spotlight on people that don't normally get it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine, but you cannot not notice that. Yeah. yeah. Look at this year's right. list yeah. of Beard nominees. It's I don't know like if they that's why, you know. An emphasis. Yeah. yeah. On doing it this year. Yeah. Another thing, though, and yeah. I'm going to throw this out there for any chefs or publicists or marketing people or whoever's listening is I speak to a lot of people who are officially beard voters but they're not allowed to tell me they're beard voters right. but they tell me everything except that fact mm-hmm. and then yeah. they give me the morse code signal um and what a lot of them say is that we need more locals nominating local restaurants yep. when they open up these nominations and you know like i'll be look i'll say this like i think i got a great podcast but did i submit it to the beard people no right, I didn't, right, right? right so right. like who am i to say why didn't anybody nominate my podcast like no if you don't put your name in the hat Ain't nobody going to nominate you, Close right? So fair, I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, I'm going to make a conscious effort next year when the nominations yeah. open up to make sure that I get on here and say, get your ass in gear and nominate restaurants you like. Not that I'm dissatisfied with this year's list of nominees, but I know we always bitch about locals not being nominated right. enough. And that anyone who bitches that didn't write in a nomination <laughs> should shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. With all due respect. Uh, shut the fuck up. Um, also, as I said, big news this week, the opening of the English Hotel in the Arts District. So I went down there. It opened on 222, my wife's birthday. Um, it opened at 222-ish in the afternoon. Um, everybody was there. I got to chat with the mayor a little bit. Manifest um, And it was, it was a cool opening. You know, this, I feel like the Arts District is trying to, or the, the people who are on the the north side of Charleston are kind of trying to reclaim the arts district a little bit. I know Stephen Molaski has a project that's going up over there that Natalie Young is going to be mm-hmm. involved in that down the line. And I feel like the arts district started on that side of Charleston and then the cheap rents on the south side drew everybody over there. Thanks to guys like James Trees and, right. you know, and Vel- Velveteen Rabbit before mm-hmm. him, you know, and a lot of the coffee shops. I don't want to diss anybody, but that became the hot spot. But I'm wondering if the kind of the prices going up on the south side that's now so high yeah. might be driving people closer to the the north side and so it'll be interesting i had a good time at the hotel um i didn't stick around i saw max jacobson two days in a row that was great um saw him there he was eating some sushi they had some mediterranean food the the restaurant in there is called the pepper club um and yeah it's you know it's it's right next to sort of letty's mexican mm-hmm. okay. right that's where it's located so a uh, cool boutique hotel run by todd english in the arts district on that side it's it, Cool concept. Let me play a little bit of what Todd told me. This was shot for video, so Rich is not thrilled with the sound, but he's an engineer and he'll fix it. I think this hotel is a certain extension of my home. I mean, it's got, it's a boutique hotel, 74 rooms, and um, really meant and designed to be just very comfortable. It's something that feels very different than your normal hotel on the strip. Again, in the boutique style, and this, you know, and we want you to 
you know, stay, come and dine, have lots of, you know, the whole thing is based on, on really about the food and the cuisine as a big part of what we're doing here. Pepper Club is uh, it's a kind of a fun play. We were sitting around one day, and I happened to have my dog on my lap. And I'm just going to, I said, let me go, just call it the Pepper Club. And it stuck. And um, really, it, it kind of envelops sort of all the things that I love, which I mean, obviously love uh, the, the spices of pepper, but also that it's really about spice of life. And a spice of really uh, bringing something new and, and innovative and kind of, you know, re renewing and freshing. It kind of incorporates all the things that I love in food, in, in, in the sense of my travels to Japan, my time I spent there almost 10 years. And, you know, and bringing a lot of those umami flavors into the into the in the cuisine here, as well as my love for Mediterranean food, and really, you know, the the idea that the health aspect of both Mediterranean and Japanese being both, you know, the best blue zones, you know, and it, the idea of that's sort of the what we're doing. You know, it used to be the, it used to be that it was confusion fusion food, and now it's fusion and about things that are about being put some tasty on your on your palate. And that's what we're doing. How does this um, round out or complement your Las Vegas offerings? You know, we, we have olives now, yeah. we have beast, and we have yeah. this. How do they play off of each other? <laughs> well, they're all very different in their own right, especially the settings. I mean, olives is uh, a very you know luxury setting and really about a brand that I've had for over 30 years and about my love for Mediterranean food uh, with a combination of sort of all the food that where olives grow. You think about that. So that's the idea of that. The Beast is just a fun play on common bar food meats, kind of uh, on, on, on accelerated to new levels is what we try to do, and make it fun and innovative. And then we have the Pepper Club, which is kind of a combination of all the things. Fun and innovative, interesting, uh, exotic, uh, new, uh, new flavors. And I feel like uh, in a setting that I think people, a modern setting that really is about Good vibe, good time. And you always want to be someplace you just want to hang out and have a good time with great cocktails uh, in a new, an upcoming area that I think is spectacular. I love the Arts District, and I'm really uh, excited to be here and sort of, you know, forging ahead with the rest of you know what Tony Shea's dream was, and also a lot of other people are down here doing some great stuff. And what's room service going to be like here, Matt? <laughs> it's going to be wild. <laughs> You just have to wait and see. So, gentlemen, you plan on going down to check out Todd English in the Arts District anytime? Absolutely. I, I definitely just want to add this in. The uh, mural that was done outside of the facade um, was prose. And actually, that's the same artist that did the mural here. Um, and he's traveled around the world. He's, he's, he's really, really good. Um, and what I love about him is that he understands the, the correlation between art and food. Um, so when I when I told him my vision for here in the store, he he got it right away, and it, it's amazing. So it's good to see him out there as well. But yeah, definitely, we definitely think that you know, it, again, going back to Vegas is always willing to accept new and and fun things. Um, I think it, the art district should expand a little bit, but you know, I, I think that the the rents on either side are still too high. They're they're ahead of their time, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're, they're just not allowing the talent that we have here. You know, they're, they're talking about the James Beard Award and nominating people and stuff like that. There's so much talent in the city behind closed doors. You know, mm -hmm. up to this point, even this year, people didn't know who Chef Jordan and I were. Mm -hmm. You know, now we're starting to meet, you know, the who's who in the culinary world. And we're like, just in, trying to embrace ourselves. But it's like, there's so much talent here that we need to just start, you know, making it easier for people to, you know, showcase what they got. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like any city 
other than Las Vegas, and I used to I used to say this to Mayor Oscar Goodman in the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe a reason he and his wife don't really <laughs> like it when I pop up at an event. But you know, I always said Vegas concentrates too much on like the big thing. Build mm-hmm. the skyscraper, build mm-hmm. the the light show, mm-hmm. build the Neonopolis, right? And you know, really encouraging people to go into low rent, beat to shit neighborhoods with cheap rents. Like mm-hmm. don't necessarily build it up and blow it up so that the starving young talented artists can't afford to be in there and i do think that you know when a james trees originally went in or a velveteen rabbit went into the arts district i believe it was because they could get affordable rents but then you know real estate being what it is as Mm -hmm. soon as somebody spots a trend and i look i have a lot of positive things to say about tony shea and what he did for downtown las vegas but i also think he bought and warehoused a lot of property mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he was looking for those giant projects. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the problems we have as a city is we don't have those breathing room spaces mm-hmm. where somebody could take a beat to shit neighborhood right. or a beat to shit block and say, okay, you're hungry? Come in. I'll give you a 20 year lease at a, at a, right. dirt, and a, you know, at a great price. Dirt yeah. price yeah. if you put money into mm-hmm. developing this neighborhood. So, um, but on the flip side, Putting a hotel that is nice and mm-hmm. is tourist worthy mm-hmm. with a name like Todd English involved in downtown Las Vegas. And, you know, I will circus very nice place. And I actually love to go to the El Cortez suites and nice. like, get places there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But um, I do think having something in that arts district, a mm-hmm. place where tourists can come and stay is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So I'm psyched about that. One more thing. I dropped by the Black Tap in the Venetian recently. Um, Corporate chef Stephen Parker was in town. We spoke about a few things, starting off with his assessment of how Vegas is recovering from the pandemic. And I just wanted to throw that out there, too. I think Las Vegas is faring very well. Just from the traffic I've seen coming into town, especially for the Chinese New Year traffic, this particular hotel in this location is doing great. I think people are more empty to travel, and especially if it's a it's a country thing, it's a national trip, and it's to get away and kind of see a show. I think it's a perfect city um, to do that with, and I think we're faring very well compared to other cities. Has Black Tap changed its offerings or its approach to its offerings um, in the wake of what we've gone through over the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, we have definitely, right? So we're focusing on things like our food, our classic shakes, making them more chef-centered and focused, focusing on seasons, making sure we're doing a special every month, maybe still doing our Red Velvet Valentine shake for a couple days, but then doing a classic shake for all month, focusing on the culinary-driven food um, item that I think is really important to keep people interested, locals, tourists, anyone that's coming in, they could come in, see our Instagram, see that we're featuring something special with a, you know, future ingredient that might touch into our classic shake as well as then you know touching into our savory food as well um you know i was covering you a bit with the rj right before i I left that gig and the things that are coming to mind were a lot of vegan and plant-based dining options i know that we covered your first i think you did a vegan black and white cookie shake um and then i had some vegan faux chicken here that was that was pretty solid so are those specialty diets is that still a major focus of of this restaurant and the industry are we moving more in that direction I think we're definitely moving more in that direction. And here at Black Tap, we do offer something like the Impossible Burger. But for January, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something, you know, obviously January is over, we're into February. But for January, we did a plant-based mushroom burger with black beans. It had spices and garlic, had some chili powder. Um, It was a great burger. We made a creamy truffle mushroom sauce with cashew cream. It was featured. We did a Violife grated Parmesan that we freshly grated on it. So it was a completely plant-based vegan burger. No Impossible, no fake 
vegan anything. It was all, you know, plant-based centered. So we're focusing on doing that. Light and fresh is kind of our model in 2022. We're still a, a you know, black tap burger brand. So we're featuring some great burgers as well throughout the year. But we're definitely a couple months of the year, we're focusing on kind of lighter, cooler plant-based options as well. Because you have to stay light if you're going to save room for one of those shakes, right? Exactly. <laughs> you have to stay light if you want to save room for those shakes. Good tagline. Really great tagline, yeah. Cool. Um, on the shake front, how, how have those developed over the years, man? You guys were so over the top and, you know, almost ahead of your time that food needs to be Instagram worthy. It's almost more important, sometimes for some places, more important how it looks than how it tastes. I don't believe you have ever gone that way. You want to make sure it looks great and make sure it tastes great as well. So don't get me wrong there. But is that trend peaking yet or are we still looking for more over the top, more insane presentations? Well, I think insane presentations are great, and I think it's really great. I mean, that's all that even from, you know, fine dining, right? It's about presentations. But at Black Tap, and uh, just like in fine dining, everything needs to make sense. So everything on our milkshakes, you know, that Courtney and I come up with, our creative director, makes sense, whether it's a flavor or whether it's something that looks pretty. But I think something over the top is still important, but I think having it make sense in our, you know, in culinary relative terms or what people are doing or hot items or if it's a Cinnabon in January because it's still like a savory kind of winter warming thing. I think all those things make sense, but I think over the top is still a thing now. So I'm going to leave it with this. Advice for eating a black tap shake because here's the deal. I like your shakes. I can never make it through one all the way. And usually by the time I eat my way through the stuff on the top, I don't have room for the milkshake, right? So how would you dig into a black tap shape? As a professional, how do you do it? Okay, so as a professional, I've seen a lot of people talk about it on Instagram. My creative director talks about it. Our owner, Julie Mulligan-Barish, always talks about it. For me, I probably would order a side of well-done fries, and I would use those fries with my milkshake, the whipped cream getting the icing around the edge. I would use my spoon to get it nice and deep, eat the novelty items, continue with my french fries and drink my milkshake. A little of that sweet and savory option, nice and crispy fries to kind of be that holder and get those clumps of ice cream and the big clumps of icing. And I, that's, as a professional, is how I would go for it. And I do love his tip about dipping your french fries into those crazy shakes, man. <laughs> I, I love those black tap crazy shakes. There you go. Lordy. Uh, so this just might be the CES of the food industry. For the first time, four food industry trade groups are holding their annual conventions at the same time, at the same place, the Las Vegas Convention Center. It happens late next month. They're calling it the Las Vegas Food and Beverage Week. Okay. So it is going to be uh, SAIL America, first-of-its-kind cross-category generalist food and beverage show. The International Pizza Expo that we uh, know and love so mm-hmm. well. The Bar and Restaurant Expo, formerly known as the Nightclub and Bar Show. Been to that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And the World Tea conference and expo all happening at the same time uh international food fair uh, is that something as a chef as as the owner of an establishment like this you want to take a beeline too to see what's new absolutely i mean the, the fancy food show when they came here unfortunately i had covid during that time it was the worst <laughs> i know we were waiting it. for you on the you, floor you know, I, 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 I apologize <laughs> i didn't even know you guys was there that day and no. didn't even know you guys were waiting for us man yeah that was <laughs> yeah, yeah but but my team was there and they they got to experience and i got to you know live vicariously through them and a lot of the vendors maybe 75 percent of the vendors that were there we already have either dialogue with or their products already on our shelves mm-hmm. so we knew we we're on the right track um but uh, you know uh, uh, 
situation like this where you're having multiples in one, yeah, absolutely, because I think that Vegas needs that. What I don't like about having all this at the same time is that when they come, they set up, everything is here, and then they pack up and leave, and then it just goes away. Mm -hmm. So I, I almost take it on as our personal vendetta that we have to like bring those products back because <laughs> people don't realize the quality, mm -hmm. the love that gets put into these things. It's not just you know a money rush. I mean, it's, it's funny when, when a lot of people come into our store, they say, you know what? I can see the passion behind it. I can see, you know, just talking to us. I can see the passion that you guys have for food. And it's, it's sad because when you go into certain restaurants around the United States, people just in that money rub. You know, they just, just want to rush to the money and they, they just do it and there's no love behind it. Turn and burn. You know? Freezer and, to fryer. Right. You know, and there's, there's a lot of love that's put in, in these products and then to have them in our city long term is, is, you know, a personal job that we're taking on. Um, now, you know, we should point out that the Pizza Expo and the Old Nightclub and Bar Show were always simultaneous. Yeah. Right? And, mm -hmm. Which was great for the pizza guys who could but go. But they didn't have a... Bar Show, do some yeah. shots, and go back and make some pizza. But they were you know? together yet separate. I would hope that this thing put together will have a common pass. Oh, so you I can go to all yeah. of them and at the same time. Everybody wants their price of admission i don't know i'd be yeah. surprised I, i'll look okay. it up because i don't know yeah because they're industry shows can they're you, just for the trade they're not for the general public i'm sorry we got the, the can you there will be a, a combo separate pass we're hearing common pass peanut calorie okay awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yay that's why we keep you around <laughs> eric gladstone and the peanut gallery ladies and gentlemen okay so time now for our edibles review i started this is part two of my dried fruit thc edibles um and I, I know I have some listeners who always say, why don't you ever talk about dried fruits? So last week I did, and this is from a company called Cannabella. Of course, yeah, I've mangled it. I've ripped off the label, all that, because you know what the labeling's like on mm -hmm. products, exactly. right? There's a, a million stickers. Um, but we only did their mangoes. So this week I went and I got their variety pack, which is a lot of different things. I'm going to pull them open. Here's the okay. Here's a question, gentlemen. Like, do you really need these ridiculous Ziploc bags if it's dried fruit? Right? Is it, am I supposed to be worried it's going to dry out? Like after I've opened it. Um, but these, and I have been eating them. Here's half of one of the kiwis. Right? I ate the other half of that kiwi already. Got a little high. Here's a little half of one of the. Oh no, this is a full mango slice. Um, these are their dried watermelon. Okay. Um, so and then. Whichever the hell one this is, I believe the pineapple actually comes individually wrapped as well. Oh. So you get all, oh, and this is, I believe, a dried date. Right? There we go. Does it look like a dried date? Right? Yeah, there, right? <laughs> did you eat half of that too? I did eat half of that. Yeah, man. I, I, I've been trying these out and I like them. I, I have to say it's fun. It's fun to have a nice little variety pack, right? Um, so if you, okay, now I've taken bites out of these three, so you guys ain't going to want those. But if you guys would like to try one of the um, watermelon ones, oh, or I'll if you want to open up the pineapple, you could do that. I will I'm going to take another so. little bite. This That, that is um, 10 milligrams per dose. So, you know, if you want to microdose, you can. I'm going to go a little microdose of Kiwi, go hard, sir. <laughs> you having trouble opening that? Yeah, it's chef? solid. I mean, the weird thing is, dried fruit tastes weird anyway, mm -hmm. right? So, right, like, right. you can't really weird it up by adding the cannabis or the THC to it. I, I think it's. I think this is a fun product. I like this. This is Cannabella. As I said last week, I got them at um, at Exhale, mm -hmm. which is across from the Palms. It's not Cookies. Cookies is another one across from the Palms. This is Exhale. They usually have a really good. Uh, edibles spread over there and the one thing I like about them I will repeat is that the price on the item that you're looking at is what you pay oh, wow. so they you know that's after the taxes right because right. normally you go that's 25 bucks but then I gotta add this tax and that tax but then minus my locals discount right, I got right, to carry right. the one and you yeah. pull out the abacus right right and you never know so these whatever price they tell you 
Out the door. So this was $25 out the door for a bag of 10 10 milligram THC doses, which is pretty solid. I like that. That's pretty good. And next week, I think we're going to do some um, something that I was told tastes like Ben and Jerry's in chocolate bar form. Oh, so, wow. um, Whoa. Oh, excited wow. about that. We're going to do that one next week. Okay, so that is where we are for now with edibles. And I'm, I'm pro Cannabella. Maybe I'll like take one of those from you. you know, <laughs> take a warm oh, night at home. I usually don't. I, they didn't here. really work for me, but I'm always willing to give a watermelon thing a chance. <laughs> I'm always willing to give a watermelon <laughs> thing a Your chance. Your watermelon guy like thing. me? Yeah. Oh, it's not the THC I like. It's the watermelon. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. So I think that's it for edibles. What's next, Rich? It's where you say goodbye. That's it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to our hosts. I had John and Janelle Batista, and Janelle is here, but she's not on. So John Batista, Jordan Dunwood, and Janelle Batista, thank you all for letting us um, use your gorgeous space here at Artisanal Foods. We'll be back. Luckily, I have not eaten enough of this THC to start crawling around in your ball crawl, (laughs) so you guys won't have you'll be spared having to drag me out of there. I want to thank everybody who spoke to us this week, including Chef Todd English, Chef Florent Chaveau, Chef Stephen Parker, and every single person who made it out to the Neon Feast launch party. Thank you to everyone who also helped create Neon Feast, everyone who has downloaded and installed the app on their phone. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Find all the handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. You reach us direct, of course, by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And one last shot, if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Fine dining, takeout, neighborhood joints, great views, video poker, whatever you need, you will find it at the Neon Feast. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.